This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Dang, that was, that's so we're undefeated in conference, and that was actually our only non-win. Mm-hmm. Was the BYU yeah. game in conference and undefeated all year? We haven't lost. Yeah, you got to look at you got to look at Tech and say like, man, could they? Like now, they I feel like it? we're a, a title contender. Yeah, you've moved into that conversation yeah. with that result against BYU. Be- beating BYU or tying BYU in Provo puts you there. Yeah, we were like, you know, you're a title, you're a title contender. Charles Booth writing and rewriting history, first ever national title for Texas Tech. Jonathan Garibay, the boot is away, and it's gone. Welcome, one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are on once again with your boy. I'll be sure, and today. It's all happiness in Raiderland. I mean, everybody's happy. Everybody's in a good mood. The sun is shining a little bit brighter. Um, the the uh, uh, you know roses are blooming, right? Flowers smell better. Your armpits smell better. And why is that? Because we are the butt bowl champs. We have beaten the Baylor Bears. We uh, uh, they just beat them. We kicked their kicked their butt. You know, we, we whoop that ass, you know, so it's a, a great time in Lubbock land. Um, always great to beat a rival, uh, especially a game where you're like, man, did y'all, did you ask, well, you have to have to ask the rival if they even showed up. Um, so probably the best win of the, not even probably, definitely the best one of the year. And so to talk about the best one of the year, I brought on um, the people's champ, question mark, Jeremy Gillen. <laughs> Up, Joe. <laughs> the people's the people's champ that they don't recognize. I'm Ron Burgundy. Is their champ. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Damn it! Who put the question mark on the teleprompter? Um, yeah, you're right. It feels good this week. It feels good. Good to get a good win against. And I love this because I love this win because the narrative was, and I loved how they picked it up during the broadcast. I don't know if you noticed it, Albie, but they were like Texas Tech, Baylor having the same season and they went through this whole graphic uh, sequence and i was like those sons of bees uh, <laughs> they listened to the podcast they knew what was up but when they enter with a narrative like that you're tempted to go well this would be a really close game they're pretty much the same team blah 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 texas tech didn't want any of that they don't want to be baylor they said no we're not like that we're different and we know we're different and they came in and they made a statement uh and so Maybe they looked similar on paper, but thankfully the Red Raiders, Coach McGuire, is that Kid Lee, question mark, uh, convinced the nation that Baylor and Texas Tech are not on the same playing field. Yeah, it's interesting. So, because, I mean, going into this game, I do agree with you. I mean, everything was so even keel that you did, you did have to ask, are these two the same teams, right? Are we treating this the exact same way? I will say this, though. As you kind of mentioned it, if, if we take the first five games of the season – and just how identical it was. I do want to point out the teams we were playing. So week one, Texas Tech loses to Wyoming. Baylor loses to Texas State, right? Texas State, 
Um, though much better, they're still a team that is four. They're four and two. They're a lot better than any Texas State team we've seen in recent year. Excuse me. Just lost to a okay Louisiana team. Right. Big question of how just how good Texas State is. But then you look at Wyoming, right? And Wyoming, on the other hand, we we all know that they're one of the best group of five teams. I mean, they only lost this year was the Texas. And in the first half, they were giving Texas everything that they could handle, right? Wins and they just beat top twenty five Fresno State. This Wyoming team is actually a team that I think is going to compete for a New Year's six bowl. That's how we and we're actually finding this out now. This is actually a really good Wyoming team. So let me move on. To game number two, Utah, uh, Baylor loses to Utah, Texas Tech, of course, loses to uh, Oregon. Now, we can look at that and say, well, they were both top 15 teams. They were both, you know, this, that, and the other. Uh, But then one thing you got to see is in that game where Baylor loses to Utah, they lost to Utah as a backup quarterback, right? They didn't have Utah's full strength. They have their backup quarterback, so a weaker Utah team. Um, now, this is still a pretty good Utah team that just lost their first game of the year against Oregon. But you kind of look at that and say, well, okay, just how good was that Utah team that they still lost to? Texas Tech, on the other hand, had a fully healthy Oregon team that they went up against. And that Oregon team, well, still looks pretty good. Oregon team is still undefeated. They just beat the hell out of a ranked Colorado team. Whether you feel out Colorado should be ranked or not, Colorado at the time was undefeated. Beat the hell out of them. Just beat the hell out of Stanford. And they really, the only game that's even been close for Oregon was a game in which Texas Tech had a two-possession two lead on. So then you go off and you have the, the next game. And I'm not going to get into the FCS teams. They're both FCS teams. That's not a, nobody really cares about that. But then we go to the last game. Texas Tech beats the hell out of Houston. It's not even close. A blowout. Baylor falls down so much in, against UCF that they have to play uh, this wild come from behind, you know, situation where, or this wild come from behind situation where it's it's the largest comeback I think in Baylor history, or one of the largest comebacks in Baylor history to beat UCF. And we now know, in hindsight, now after ba- after UCF loses another just really just a terrible loss, right? And they get blown out by a decent Kansas Jayhawk team, but still a Kansas Jayhawk team, 51-22. Now we're looking at UCF, not good. So my, my whole point in that is, though these teams look similar on paper, you kind of see Texas Tech actually had a much more difficult schedule in the grand scheme of things. I didn't even mention the fact that the uh, the other game where, where, where Texas Tech did lose to West Virginia, but this is a West Virginia team that now might actually be pretty good. We didn't think they'd be pretty good, but they may actually be pretty good to where, you know, and so that's that's a piece I think that we are, uh, and then flip side, of course, Baylor just gets obliterated by Texas, but that's a piece that we're, I think we're, as we look at the schedule, we say that, oh, these two teams are the same on paper. The first five games actually, that did face a little bit tougher competition with the exception of that Texas game. Faced a, a more difficult of a co- uh, competition there. And it was a piece to where I now look at Baylor, and of course, this is all hindsight. Hindsight's 2020. But I now look at Baylor as the biggest difference between Baylor and Texas Tech is that Texas Tech was a team that still showed flashes of being a pretty good team, but just, you know, luck was against them. They made bad decisions in a few games. They're very close from from going from two and three to we could potentially be four and one or maybe even five and zero oh at this point if some balls bounce our ways and in, in other scenarios. To where Baylor's just a bad team. They just stink. There's really no way around it. They are actually lucky to be two and three. They're just a really bad team there, and that's the difference there. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, the way I postulated it on the on the preview or whatever, and you were like, "That's wrong." Um, I do think you said it better there where the, the way that these seasons have just shaken up, 
um, or shaped out, shaping out. Um, Baylor just really proved itself to be the worst of the two teams. Uh, you can't play miracle ball all season and and have like these tremendous comebacks. So the expectations, I think, for Baylor to be competitive in this game might have just exceeded um, reason. You know, just like, oh, you put together this massive 26-point whatever fourth quarter. Therefore, this should be a really good game against Baylor and Texas Tech. But the good thing that Texas Tech did is they said, hey, Baylor cannot stop the run to save their life. Guess what we're going to do? And that's exactly what they did. So you want to give? Let me just say, I, don't get me wrong. I still feel we're every bit of a three and three team. Like we're every bit of deserving. Of we earned three, three and three. We earned yeah. that. And yes, those teams may be a little bit better than we expect them to be, especially Wyoming, and West Virginia. But we still very much earned that three and three. And I still think we are what your record is. But I think the biggest difference is is that when comparing Tech's five, five game stretch before the Baylor game and Baylor's, that's where that separator is. These last two games, especially right, because Texas Tech has looked. World's different in these last two games. Baylor needed to come back, come behind victory in UCF, and then got throttled at home against Texas Tech. So, kind of on different trajectories. Yeah. So let's talk about that game a little bit. So Baylor, Texas Tech walks into Baylor. Prime time. It's a nationally televised game. Nationally televised game um, in in Waco, right? Uh, ESPN for whatever reason decided not to to actually show the butt bowl nationally televised. So God bless them for it because I know I wouldn't have. Um, so. We, you know, national televised game, Baron Morton's a starter, and we get the, uh, right from the get-go, our first possession, we get the ball first, and it's a nice five-minute, 11-play drive down the field, and guess what, Jeremy? We get a Todd, three Todgebrook runs to start the game, and just like that, we are 25 yards down the field, and I know for me, in my head, I was thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to be a long night for Baylor. We talked about in the preview pod. But this, the trenches for Baylor stinks, and never has a team made me look like more of a genius than the Baylor Bears <laughs> did. Because my, I knew this O line and D line was bad, but boy, <laughs> right from the get go, we were like, Todd Brooks was like, "Oh, this is food." Seven, uh, you had eleven plays on that, and seven or eight plays of them are running plays. What Texas Tech offense is this? It's the one that says. I'm going to recognize your weak point, and I'm going to go at it. And Taj Brooks ate all night. It was not just a eh, great great first possession. No, he ate all night long. And Cameron Valdez getting time early on. He got a couple possessions, a uh, couple handoffs there in that first, uh, the first drive. One thing I do appreciate, so Taj Brooks is no doubt the starting running back, right? This is not like last year where we had Siraj would get some, Taj would get some, anything like that. This is There's no question. It's not a running back by committee type of thing. Taj Brooks is the starter. One thing I do appreciate, though, a lot of the times when you see teams and they have a, a distinct starter, a no-doubt starter, is whenever the backup comes in, it's almost always a passing play, right? I'm, I'm a Texans fan. Damian Pierce is our starter. When Devin Singletary comes in, it's much more likely to be a passing play than a running play, right? Um, one thing I do appreciate with the Texas Tech is that you can't necessarily do that when Cameron Valdez comes in, right? Actually, I want to say almost every time Cameron Valdez came in, we still ran the ball. But things don't change just because we're switching out the running back. So I do appreciate that, and it really help, keeps the defense honest because you can't just say, oh, zero's in, so we're, we're, they're going to pass and we're going to switch up. No, zero's in because that just means you're going to get gashed again. And, and sure enough, that's what happened in this game. Uh, both 
Though Todd Brooks had 31 carries in this game, so Cameron didn't get as much as much uh, um, time as he did the last game, but but still, it wasn't a, it wasn't an automatic, and I do really appreciate that play calling set there uh, when Cameron Valdez came in. So seven plays just like that. Uh, it's capped off by a Baron Martin touchdown um, to Coy Eakin for 13 yards. Good strike there, and, and I will say, and it's this drive was just set up the entire game. It was a microcosm for the entire game. This drive had everything. It had all those runs you talked about, Jeremy. It had a fourth and one easy conversion. I mean, it was fourth and one, and it was like, yeah, obviously we're going to go for it, and obviously we're going to make it. Uh, with that nice, with that uh, uh, fourth and one where Taj Brooks almost runs for a touchdown. Gets six to 16 yards there. Um, but, and then from that run, and then it just made life so much easier for Baron Morton to just throw to Koi Eakin. Right, the D line was already soft to begin with, but is is now just even more winded down. Linebackers are expecting to run; they have to back off. And Quayeekin has an easy touchdown pass. Life is just easy for the quarterback when your O line is dominating the way they are, when the run game is going the way they are, and then it makes it even easier when the defense comes in and Baylor gets what two first downs, and that's it. Um, and it was also talking about the drive to set up the rest of the game, fourth and one on the Texas Tech forty, of course. Uh, Dave Aranda and Baylor decided to go for it. Wouldn't expect anything else. And we get a stop. Passing complete. Just like that. And again, those first two drives, it was life as we know it for the game. They could have ended the game right there. Honestly, if you just want, if you're listening to this and all you do is watch the first two drives of the game, that tells you all you need to know for the rest of the game. That's all you need to know. That was it. <laughs> so, uh, with that, we did have a, a, a couple punts from Tech and Baylor side, but again, Right after that, or, or following that in the second quarter, or going in the second quarter, a nice seven-play, three-minute drive uh, that was really, um, uh, that really, once again, running the ball, running a straight. Bear, Todd Brooks had a nice 24-yard run for the first down, for a first down to get us into the into the Baylor side of the field, get us down into the red zone, and life is easy for Baron Morton. When the O line is dominating in this way, he is able to throw to Baylor Cup for a nice 16 yard touchdown. Baylor Cup had himself a day. He saw the B, he saw the Baylor on the other side and was like, "Hey, hey y'all got my name. Time for me to show out." Then um, absolutely showed out in this one, and just like that, it's 14-0 at halftime with uh, um, Todd. You know, and I will say, Jeremy, not to, before before you get on, Todd Brooks doesn't end up fumbling in this game. Is deterred, not no, is not deterred whatsoever, not deterred whatsoever. Um, and before you know it, gets the ball back. Uh, after we recover a fumble, we get down there, we're able to score a field goal, and it's seventeen to three at halftime. Life is good. Yeah, really a non-detrimental turnover there, and thankfully, I will say, not a good. I you don't want to turn the ball over, and it was a great tackle or helmet on the football. That's hard to hold on. That's good. That's really hard to hold on to, especially if you're looking downfield. Um, Really not consequential because Baylor stinks. I love, you know, I have such, I'm getting so, what am I trying to say here? Dave Aranda, what are you doing? Uh, have you seen any of this like post-game presser or anything like that? I just don't understand the man. I don't understand the man. Well, but before before you get to before you get to the post-game presser, let's get the rest of the game there. But what, Well, I was, yeah, fine. I don't understand. Um Big things for me from this game, man. Few hold Baylor to 17 yards rushing. Defensively, you have become men among boys. Uh, DeRuiter, like, I don't understand. <sighs> When's the last time that you held a 
power five team to 17 yards. Maybe not even Kansas, right? It's been a long time. So that was just a superb, um, superb defense eff- defensive effort in the running game or the rush defense. And we knew that we knew that we had it. We knew that we had it. The big, the big, interesting part of this, the flip side of that, is that you gave up 324 yards passing, and yet only 14 points for Baylor. One, it's one touchdown. That blows my mind. I don't understand how you can get 324 yards of passing offense and only get a touchdown out of that. Um, one touchdown, excuse me. And you get, you, of course, you get two. Um, you get the, you do the two point conversion, and then you get the um, two field goals. So, just a complete failure of game management by Baylor. And on the, and and then the, for the good guys, Texas Tech doing an excellent job of choosing plays strategically nothing like it was very rare i think we had a um trick uh, a kind of a trick play in the first quarter i'm trying to remember when that was it kind of fell apart because it was just like nobody really i think it was um look fungi out kind of on an island or something like that nobody really knew what was going on and it looked like the ball was going nowhere but outside of that you played a really clean game you did have four penalties um for me, it's like five penalties or less in my mind is a good, that's not a bad evening, especially with how heated some games can get. We did get away with just one penalty against Houston. That felt really good. Um, but if we're staying under that five mark, I'm not upset with that. Bear Morton does get an interception here. Um, that was on him 100%. But I think that you played a really clean game. And <clears throat> once again, just starting to look like you know what you're doing comparatively to those first couple four four games or so it looks so much better yeah no, absolutely and that and that continued as we go into the second half like you mentioned uh we do get that touchdown um there in the in the third quarter uh a nice once again a nice uh uh good pass there to baylor cup 18 yards for the touchdown to get us up 24 to 3 and at that point i think when the third quarter touchdown went that's game that was game to me i mean this baylor offense wasn't doing anything there's nothing they could do to really to to make it any less game you know a lot of those passing yards you mentioned for 324 yards was uh in the fourth quarter in the second half it was you know it was garbage time stuff um but where blake shapen was blake, let me say something i will say this nothing about this game tell me that blake shapen's a bad quarterback nothing about this game said anything when it came to you know the the um some of the the skill position players like monterey baldwin monterey baldwin is a beast right he had that he had that really long uh pass completion for 71 yards um uh, uh there in this there was a huge play for Baylor in this one. Um, so, you know, I, I, I had nothing, no negatives or anything bad to say when it came to the Baylor skill position players. Uh, the Baylor secondary was pretty good. You talked about that interception, uh, which was really just a floated ball from, from Martin, and I think it's just a, a bad decision there. But, um, you know, I, I had nothing bad to say about the Baylor skill positions. The secondary, the receivers, I thought they all played pretty well, right? Um, and the second half, every time, in the fourth quarter, every time Baylor thought that, okay, we're getting a touchdown for it not to be a blowout, Texas Tech was like, well, come on, guys. Y'all still stink. <laughs> you, know, so, <laughs> you know, and so in this one, I found it I found it hilarious that they score a touchdown, go for two. You know, they're like, all right, we're, we're back in it. It's 24 to 11. We just need, you know, 13 points now to to try to get back in this game. And then we score a touchdown, and, and Joe McGuire is like, all right, we're going to go for two, too. All right, you want to embarrass us a little bit? We're going to embarrass you right back, you know? so That, uh, that too, felt personal. It yeah. felt personal. 
<laughs> exactly. Let me score another touchdown on top of it. I mean, it's just they couldn't hold us. And like I said, the main the main thing is is that I have nothing really bad to say about Blake Shapin or Monterey Baldwin or Jordan Neighbors. Um, you know, uh, it, everything. Um, or Caden Jenkins for that matter. I think Caden Jenkins had a really good game. I have everything bad to say about the Baylor offensive line and defensive line. Lord Jesus. First of all, for the Baylor, for the Texas Tech D-line, they had Blake Shapin running for his life, especially in the second half when they were trying to pass the ball more. He was running for his life. The ball was snapped, and he was on the run the very second. He, you know, in this game, we had six sacks overall. Steve Linton, have yourself a day. I've, I've talked about how you have not been the guy we've signed up for. To this game, you were every bit of the guy we signed up for. You shut me the hell up. Right, like you, three sacks on this game was in the backfield. What felt like every play, uh, the law firm um, was in the backfield. What felt like every play, both Jalen Hutchins and Tony Bradford, um, you know, was just they were both incredible uh, in this game. I, I thought they were they were great. Josiah Pierre, his first game back, buddy, balled out. Another great game from Ben Roberts. Didn't matter that it was that Josiah Pierre was back. He still had himself a game. Led the team. CJ Baskerville. Every time he set up a screen, CJ Baskerville was right there in the back in the backfield. It just it was just a long, long night for Baylor. And then of course, right. I mean, Taj Brooks. Life is life is like I said for Baron Morton. Life is easy. It's easy when the old line is as good as they are. Did, did Baron Morton get touched in this game? Did he get? I don't know if he even got touched in this game. He did get one sack. One sack against him. Brandon back bet from Baylor got a sack on him. Oh, that was at the end. Remember, because then they celebrated like they won yes, the game. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> it was on a third down. They sacked him. And it was it was just like, what? what is – y'all are down by three touchdowns, guy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They celebrate like it was just that – was, that was the only time he'd been touched all game. I don't know if they even had a pressure on him. Like, the O-line for Texas Tech dominated. The D-line for Texas Tech dominated. And this is – Wow, what a what a win here! Um, and you can be you know just as big winners as Texas Tech is if you go to charliehustle.com, right? Because our podcast is brought to us by Charlie Hustle, a clothing company. They're a vintage inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specialize in both Texas Tech and KC Chiefs hometown apparel. They, Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today. Show off that Texas Tech spirit all season long. Um, they are going to have you covered with all your collegiate apparel needs, and they're going to have you covered by using our promo code 101215, that is T-E-N-1215, to get 15% off of all non-sale items. Again, that promo code is 101215. Uh, Charlie Hustle, Vintage made fresh. So, just kind of, what does this, how does this game make you feel, Jeremy? As you know, now it's the 39 to 14. Texas Tech's now won two straight games, both in dominant fashion. How does this, or at least in the second half, you feel like it's a pretty dominant fashion? How does this make you feel as a, as a fan? Do you feel like we've now turned the page? You know, does everybody was feeling good on, on the Twitter after the game? Yeah, I felt for me, it felt. It felt like Kitley was paying attention. I think that was the main thing that I was focused on is that, okay, you have a really good game against Houston. Now you have a game against Baylor. Uh, we're one and one in the Big 12. You know, how do we get over that hump, get back into the win column, uh, get back into like, you know, being positive, not just at the 500 for this, the conference. And for, I think, us, especially, and everybody else um, that listens and kind of pays to any attention to st- stats and stuff like that. Baylor's terrible at the run defense. So I think we were all just hoping, and Kitley, will you please, 
please just hand the ball off to Taj Brooks. Uh, and for him to do so, I mean, Taj getting, you know, um, how many touches on the night? Because he ran for 170 yards. He got 31 carries, 170 yards, pretty much averaging a half a uh, half of a half of the mark there, 5.5. You know, you still get uh, you get 42 runs, 26 passes. Seems uncharacteristic to Kitley, but it's what wins games. And he even said, I saw on Twitter today when a reporter asked him, you know. How do you feel about running the ball so much when you're more of a traditionally air raid guy? And whether he believes it or not, he said, I would rather win a game like 17 to 14 than lose a game 56 to 64 or whatever. And so if he truly means that, I think you have a really – this game especially made me feel like you have a really good shot going forward because you looked clean. You looked like you – and again, the competition is just going to go up. Like this weekend against Kansas State. It's going to be a really interesting competition. And we'll talk about that in the preview. Um, really interesting matches there. But I think that if you can at least recognize and do the small things right, that you give yourself an opportunity because we do have a very talented Texas Tech team uh, and some people that are popping up on our radar who weren't in the, you know, it, it, who weren't on the radar previously, like Ben Roberts. I mean, you're leading the you're leading the team in tackles. We didn't even mention Ben Roberts at all at the beginning of the season. He's leading the team in tackles, 45. So um, there's a lot of talent on this team. It's good to see some good coaching go along with it. And God, it's good to beat Baylor. It's it's so good to beat it Baylor. It is. It is. So now let me ask you this. So you're talking about the. So let's talk about let's talk about Dave Aranda for a second. So okay. Um, <laughs> so you so talk to talk to us about his press conference a little bit. You know, Dave Aranda. A little bit of context. When he first came onto the scene for Baylor, I thought he carried this very like walk uh walk tall carry a big stick mentality like i'm not going to be too boisterous because i know what i'm bringing to the table kind of thing i completely changed my mindset about that i feel like this is a guy who doesn't feel like he belongs in a press conference or maybe it's just uncomfortable talking to people uh because when they were asking a bunch of questions and he didn't really have good answers it didn't seem like he took a lot of responsibility for the loss it was just kind of like a hey good job good effort you know we went out there and did what we could, and we're just going to have to get a little better for next week. And I'm like, what kind of Mr. Rogers? <laughs> but to be fair, that's that's kind of his, that's his, that's his yeah, thing. His personality. Yeah, that's yeah. his thing. I, you know, I, um. It's not what you want in a loss. It's not what you want no, when you're losing, it, like they are. He, uh, so, full disclosure, I like Dave Aranda. He's who I wanted to be the Texas Tech coach. If you remember, when he was the LSUD coordinator, I was a big advocate on Dave Aranda. He has Texas Tech ties. Um, and so I, I, that's who I wanted. I thought he'd be a really good fit uh, for Texas Tech. And then I, immediately we saw it, right? He, he, just like that, won a Big 12 championship in the Sugar Bowl in the second year. We saw it. Um, in a year two now without Joey McGuire, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, uh, you know, it, 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 not just without Joey McGuire. I mean, mind you, Joey McGuire did take a lot of the staff. But their recruiting has fallen, uh, taken a nosedive, right? Without without um, uh, McGuire staff and and without his recruiting taking a nosedive, the team has not looked good. The best the team has looked in two years was last year when they beat the hell out of us in Lubbock, right? Like that. That has been the game, and that was the only thing that was giving I think Baylor fans. And you talked, you heard it from Joe when he was on the podcast last week. That was the only thing that was giving Baylor fans some solace and some belief that they could win this game. Was that okay? Well, Texas Tech's also two and three, and we beat the hell out of them last year. And so, if we beat the hell out of them last year, 
why shouldn't we beat the hell out of beat them again this year at home? Excuse me, if I was a Baylor fan, I would have felt that same way. I would have felt like, okay, well, this team's not very good, but maybe Texas Tech's also not very good because we beat them last year with a pretty mediocre team. And so if we're both mediocre, we have the advantage at home. I get that thought. I do. But the problem with Baylor and the biggest reason why Baylor just looks like they stink is because the, like their trenches are so bad. And when your team... It's the same problem Texas has had for years. Same re, the biggest reason... And, and I was, I was you know, I was talking to some Texas fans about this before. The biggest difference between Texas Longhorns team this year and every other year they've had for the past decade plus is that every other year they've had for the past decade plus, they've had really great skill position players. Great running backs, great receivers, great secondary, all that stuff, right? But the trenches weren't the same Texas O-linemen, Texas D-linemen. The trenches weren't these big bodies. Steve Sarkeesian came to Texas. The first thing he started recruiting, the first thing that the the – Boosters recruited O-linemen. O-linemen across the board. Remember, they, they had that one recruiting class. It was a 2022 class or 2021 class. There was just just big bevies all along the O-line. That's the reason why they're so great this year, right? Because they're huge on the O-line and D-line. Um, and it reminds me now of Baylor. And I look at Baylor, and I'm like, your play shaping actually looks really good, pretty good. Monterey Baldwin looks pretty good. You know, like, your secondary looks pretty good. But your O-line and front seven is awful. God, they're awful. And they, you cannot win games with a, a, a front seven and an O-line like that. They, they play Iowa State in a couple weeks, and I don't, know, I don't really think they're going to beat them. Because Iowa State, though Iowa State's bad, they actually have O-linemen still. Right? Um, they play West Virginia at the end of the year. They, I, I don't see a way they win that game. West Virginia has good O-linemen. And decent D-linemen. It's the only thing West Virginia has. That's the reason why West Virginia's been winning. And so that like stuff like that, it's 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 almost that's where you start questioning what what is Dave Aranda? Does he know what he's doing? Some people are meant to be head coaches, and who knows? Maybe Dave Aranda falls in that bucket. We'll see. But I think the more, and I'm not gonna say success yet because I, I I don't necessarily know Jerry Joe McGuire's. I would put him in the success category just yet. He had one above average season last year, and as of right now, we're average, straight average this year but the more that you kind of see that especially given that him taking over from Matt Wells um you see at least the improvement from Texas Tech side and just a complete collapse from uh the Baylor side somebody on Twitter from Baylor side said it before is that did we make him a did we, did we hire the wrong guy and maybe the guy that behind the secret sauce for Matt Rule and Dave Aranda is now in Lubbock and I'm not saying he's right but he doesn't look wrong he doesn't look wrong. And something that we heard that happened behind closed doors, valid or not, is that Coach McGuire mentioned in passing that you would want you'll want to keep an eye on Baylor because they're about to fall apart. And so maybe the the, the, the takeaway there is that he recognizes that a lot of Baylor's success came from good, obviously, good recruiting and identifying those key because just like Sarkeesian. McGuire comes in and he's recruiting. He's going after a bunch of top guys, but he's trying to wrangle like a bunch of really good linemen. So he's taking the, you know, he, he's taking a very similar page that Sarkeesian took that, hey, if we're going to want to be competitive in these games, we're going to need somebody to protect our quarterbacks and create gaps for our running backs. Can't do that with guys at the lower end of, you know, lower end of the talent pool. Um, you can build guys up and guys can like develop into medium caliber players. But if you're wanting to challenge for Big 12 title and eventually get to the college football playoff, you need guys who are coming in that are monsters. That you don't have to, 
you don't necessarily have to build up much more. You just have to give them technique and um, a scheme to play. And so I, I'm ex- that, like putting it in perspective that way. That makes me excited, more excited about the future of Texas Tech football because, I mean, we saw uh, who came in. Michael Hudson came in with um, Will Hammond. At, to that game and the big pick the big uh, i forgot what game it was houston maybe no it was before that oregon. Uh, it was oregon, oregon. Game. yeah it was the oregon game that everybody was like oh mike hudson and will hammond are here that's super exciting blah 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 never mind that there were four top lineman recruits also there four of them and there's a picture of will uh will in front of like the four guys that would essentially be coming in with his class and so like that's the kind of you know, that's the kind of guys that you want to bring in because you can attract skill guys to your program, no problem. You got to get the big guys to buy in so that you can create a foundation, right? So if we have our foundation all shifty and whatnot, not good, you end up like Baylor. But when you get the big guys up front and ready to go, ba-dow, better football ba-dow. team. And I think we have good guys coming in. I think we have great guys coming in. And I have full confidence that we'll continue to build, right? We're only in the second year. <laughs> We can get upset with our linemen uh, a little bit uh, at different points throughout the year, and we probably will at some of the rest of these games. But like, it's gonna get better. Like, this is trusting the process. It's gonna get better. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I, one thing I do want to state this though is, is, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. When I don't necessarily know that we're back just yet. Right? Is <laughs> back to what? Well. Back to at least the, the preseason hype. Let me rephrase that. The preseason hype. Oh, Back no, to we're not getting So that. here's the thing, right? And here's the thing about both games, against Houston and against Baylor. I know it's exciting because now we blew team two teams out. One was on the road, which has been an Achilles heel for the Maguire tenure so far. Um, Baylor and Houston might just be the two worst teams in the conference. They're, you know... It might just be the two worst teams in the conference. Or at least two of the four. I think I've talked about tiers before, and I think I've now separated the conference into four tiers. I think the four two the four teams at the bottom of the tiers are Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, Baylor. I mean, those are the four worst teams in the conference. So we've just beaten two of the four worst teams in the, worst teams in the conference. Um, and we have a, a, a meeting with UCF towards the end of the year, so there's a benefit there. Um uh, so as much as I would like to say, oh, okay, we're, we've turned the tide, we're back on a, on a good path, we're now 2-1 and one in the conference, we're, we're still looking good for a decent season, woe there just yet, right? Because, again, Houston and Baylor are both bad. Houston does not have a good front seven, Baylor doesn't have a good front seven. You know who does? Kansas State. Yeah. Is Kitley, is, has Kitley just changed how he's doing things with Todd Brooks, or is it, well, we're playing... The, the two worst run defenses in the country. So we can't, we're going to switch it up for those two two games, right? What has actually happened here? And, and that's where I think we're really going to see, right? Um, on that one. Also, another thing I want to say, pump the brakes on Baron Morton. Pump the brakes on Baron Morton. I saw some tweets. That say more. Like, all right. So this is, I think this is where we're going to debate a little bit, Jeremy. So I saw some tweets that were like, if only we had number two the entire season, where could we have been? Relax. And I'll say this. This is why. I think a couple things. I think we all remember the Oklahoma State game last year. I, I know I do. I know I do. For for the last few years, I've been saying everybody needs to pump the brakes on Barrymore. I know he's a four-star quarterback, but we don't know what he is, yada, yada, yada. Then the Oklahoma State game happened last year, and I was like, and it, it, shut, it shut me up. I was like, you know what? Never mind. 
Baron Morgan's him. He's that guy. He gets hurt in the Oklahoma State game, and that injury definitely affected things, but you still saw the potential there. He he just balled out in that game. And had he not been hurt, who knows, right? Um, and so we've been I've been looking for that Baron Morton ever since. Right? Against Tarleton State, he showed out again in the second half. And it, it once again gave us pause of like, man, maybe he's him. Then he came in second half against West Virginia. Now Maybe it's, you know, and there's a lot of reasons for that. It could easily, I explained in the pod, it could easily be that he wasn't prepared to go in, even though he should have been. And maybe it was just that the game plan was set for shock, et cetera, et cetera. He did not look good whatsoever. Okay. In the Houston game, did he look good? Did he look great? Not really. He looked okay. He looked decent. Um, nothing that got me too excited, right? But he only had to throw the ball 22 times. He threw the two touchdowns. It was a nice, calm, easy game. Against Baylor. Right, people see the three touchdowns and like, oh man, he was incredible. Not really. He was okay. He was decent. Did it, life is a lot easier when you have two hundred yards rushing every game, and you're going up against the front, the, the one, two of the worst front sevens in the country, and your O line is just dominating. Right. Um, I'm I, so I will say that I don't now. I will say this. I don't think there's a big gap between Tyler Shuck and Baron Morton. I, I really don't. And, and there's there's much to say about well with Baron Morton being younger, if there's not really a gap, go with the future. And I and I get that. I'm not necessarily discrediting that, discrediting that at all. I do, I do think from now going forward, unless Baron Morton gets hurt, he's probably the guy from here on out, right? But I just think let's give I just give pause. That that interception for Baron Morton was bad. It was a bad interception, just point blank. It wasn't a bad play call. It wasn't a bad. The decision to pass, I mean, it's, it's, I remember when I was, when I played football, it was known after a turnover. And actually, no, when I play football, everybody does this. When you, when there's, if you're a defense in the defense, after a turnover, it's very known that the offense likes to hit on momentum. And it's common to have a big play afterwards. It is common. That's just no, a normal offensive coordinator thing to you want to hit on a big play, right? It's up to the quarterback to either do the big play or bail on it. And, and maybe take an under route, maybe just, you know, throw the ball away, but bail on it. All right, Barrymore made the decision not only throw the ball, but loft it, float it, and, and, and underthrow it. And it was an interception. It was an easy interception, right? Nobody's nobody's excuse but, but Morton's. So bad interception. Um, and he just, it was okay. I don't think either Houston or Baylor looks any different with Tyler Shuck at the helm. I don't think Baylor Houston looks any different with Donovan Smith at the helm. <laughs> I don't know if it looks any different with... Uh, uh, what's his name? What's the third third quarterback's name? Jake Strong. Um, uh, Strong. With Jake Strong at the helm, you know, like it's it's it's. I don't think it looks any different with Jeremy Gillen at the helm. Like it's very easy. Well, never mind. It looks a lot different with Jeremy Gillen at the helm. Yeah, right. man, I can't throw the ball to save my life. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's it's whenever everything's cooking. Sometimes we put a lot of a lot of weight on the quarterback. Whenever everything's cooking, life is a lot easier for the quarterback. I do think. When we go into the future, and we have Kansas State this week, and the run game is a little bit more difficult to decipher, and more things are happening, then we're really going to have to see Oklahoma State Baron Morton show up, right? And then I, I hold reserve. But for now, pause. I don't think our season is any different with any other quarterback. We're still 3-3 three and three with any other quarterback. So, pause. Another thing I want to say, this is my third pump the brakes, Jeremy, and I'm going to leave it alone. We, we're, we're in reverse now. We've pumped too much. Now we're going to pump it one more. Zach Kittley, pump the brakes. All right, so here's the thing. I, I, I want to give Zach Kittley his flowers. I did. I did it on Twitter. He has called an outstanding game for Houston and Baylor. He called both of them. 
where it did a great job calling plays. Offense scored five touchdowns in the Houston game. Offense scored five touchdowns in the Baylor game. If we score five touchdowns for every game here on out, it is the offense has done their job. Right? That's all you can ask. If you can ask your offense to score five touchdowns a game, you're probably going to win the game. Right? Just point blank. Um, actually, as I look at it now, if we'd have scored five touchdowns in every game we've had this season, we would have won everything but maybe the Oregon game. Right? Every other we've we have held. In regulation, we've held the, the opposing deep, uh, offense to less than 35 points, um, less than 30 points in every game we've had this season. So I will say that, right? So he's had a called really good game. But again, Houston's friends, I, I cannot reiterate this enough about how bad, how terrible both Houston and Baylor are as, as teams, as defenses, as front sevens. Both really bad. And he would be an awful OC not to recognize that. Right, so as much as I want, I do. I, I am going to give Zach Kittley his flowers. He deserves it. He he called a great game in both Baylor and Houston. Called a great game. Right. Let's see what he calls against Kansas State, where it's not as bad a team. Now Kansas State, I will say this. Flip side of that, Kansas State might not be as good a team as we thought they were. I had them winning the conference. Jeremy, if you remember, I had them winning the conference. I said that. Uh. uh Will Howard was the best quarterback in the conference. You know what they did? They spat at me and said, no, we stink, sir. <laughs> now, they don't stink. I'm not going to put them on the bottom tier, but losses to Missouri, which Missouri might be better than we thought. Uh, they lost to Oklahoma State. They definitely are not better than we thought. Um, just show that Kansas State's, this is a winnable game now. This was, I thought at the beginning of the season, this might be our toughest game all year. Not anymore. This is a winnable game. If Oklahoma State can do it with Allen Bowman, why can't we do it with Baron Morton? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, yeah, that's a very good point. So we'll have more of that in the preview pod. Um, but, you know, as always, tech fans, we like to overreact about everything. We like to overreact. I just, you know, let's uh, let's uh, relax a little bit. <laughs> we want you to use the left pedal this time. Just a little bit. Yeah. A little bit of break. Not all gas. Just a little just bit a little, of break. A little bit of break. A little bit of break there. Um, anything else you want to say to the people, Jeremy? Yeah, I'm just interested, kind of like what you were alluding to. Um, I'm not disagreeing with a single thing you said. I think it's all great, actually. Uh, Baron Morton, we've seen him as the game manager. We haven't seen him as like the game changer. So that is what, with, with Kansas State having the rush defense that they have, <clears throat> we may need to see Baron Morton evolve into that Oklahoma State dream that we think exists. So we'll see, and we'll talk about that more on the preview pod. That's okay. That's a good point. I, I like that. I like that. Can he be a game changer? We will see. We will see. I, I, and I think this is a game. We, this is a game we might need. Uh, bowl eligibility is still up in the air. We have six games left. We're at the halfway point in our season, right? Um, nine and three is still possible, but highly unlikely. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's right. I was talking to Jamie pre-pod, and I, I personally, I look at six. We have six games left, three at home, three on the road. Are, if I had to guess, are three home games the most likely to win and are three road games the most likely to lose? All right, we have home against K-State, home against TCU, home against UCF, and we have at BYU, at ranked Kansas. And Kansas, let me tell you something, they're not just ranked, they're legitimately good. They're legitimately good. Like, that, like it, don't, it don't even matter who's at quarterback. They're legitimately good. Um, at Kansas, then at Texas. And, pfft, listen, I don't care what happened to the Red River rivalry. Texas is the best team in the conference. That team buddy 
That team is good. I don't, I don't give a damn about no Dylan Gabriel pulling off miracles at the end there. You know, the the the, the point of that is just that Quinn Ewers just is, is yeah, 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 yeah. He's mad. He's, he's he's mad. But the team is good. The team is good. I can't I can't front. I can't front on that. And and Ewers did have a good game in the Red River. Well, he had a yeah. game. He played. Yeah, he had a, he played. He played. He was there. He, he threw two interceptions. And, and yeah, he's you know he had a lot of yards. They weren't they weren't pretty. They were ugly. They were, yeah. <laughs> they were ugly. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, really, I mean, that's really the difference is that Bill and the OU had the better quarterback, which I've hated on both yours and Gabriel. I've really hated on yours, but I in, in publicly, <laughs> I've hated on Dylan Gabriel publicly. <laughs> that I've always thought he was overrated. Uh, Quinn yeah. yours I haven't really hated publicly, but I have hated him in private because I I do think that. The only, the only thing stopping Texas from making the college football playoff <laughs> is Quinn Ewers because he's not – he's just not that guy. Albert gets home after a long day, and in privacy he goes, damn, that Ewers kid, <laughs> trash. I, I'm, I'm more so mad out on the podcast. <laughs> That's what I really meant. You know, in the comfortability of my own home tweeting away in group, or in group chats, I'm very much sad that Quinn Ewers is not him. But, um, but yeah. One of these days, we'll be able to have these conversations about going to a college football playoff with the Texas Tech Red Raiders, and it'll happen uh, before my 70th birthday, hopefully. But um, but it will happen. I'm confident in that, especially as we expand to 12 teams. Um, so with that being said, uh, for the um, People's Champ for now, Jeremy Gillen, this is your boy, Albie Shore, and you've been listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the 1012 Network. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.